0: if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them to Mark chapter 2 this morning. We'll be beginning in verse 23 this morning, and as you're turning there, I do want to thank Avon and the elder board as uh, Avon was making that announcement about the sabbatical this morning, and um, some of you may be wondering what that is, and I think Avon did a great job explaining that. And we had gone back and forth over the last number of months, actually, the elders had we had talked about it a number of months ago, and I kept saying, no, I don't think so, and I don't think that the timing's right. And, and you may say, oh, great, we make an announcement, I and mean, it's a new campus, then you're gone for two months. That works out well. Um, and I thought about that, too. Right? I thought, this isn't the right time, and we're down on staff a little bit, and uh, Pastor Brian's already carrying a heavy load, and now I'm going to say, why don't you preach Sundays, too? Um, and so, I, I, you know, I understand all of that and thought about it, and we've talked about it, Pastor Brian and I, and the And what it comes down to is, and what a number of people told me, and what I probably already knew and you know too, there's never a good time, right? There's always a reason not to do something when it comes to rest or stepping away from things. There's always a reason uh, that this isn't a good time for it. Um, And so in, in really a step of faith and a step of reminding myself And maybe reminding you too, this is the Lord's church. It's not mine. It's not built around a personality or a person. It's God's church, and uh, it's in his hands. And so sometimes it's good just to step back and say, you know what, God, things can go on without me. And uh, you've put in place uh, not just Pastor Brian and Lori, but elders and leaders and deacons and other, those of you that lead ministries, um, more than capable of seeing the ministry of Mount Hope in this church. Uh, I don't expect it just to be sustained, but move forward over the summer months, and I think it will. Um, And so we've got, you know, working on a plan for that. And Pastor Brian will be preaching most Sundays, but not all. We're going to get him some help to, to preach a couple Sundays too, and so you'll hear some different voices as well. Uh, to kind of help carry that load. And if you didn't, I hope you caught the end of Avon's announcement, Uh, one service starting July 6th. Uh, I think that's the end of the major announcements for the month of June. Uh, Hopefully, when we looked at the month of June, we said, how much can Mount Hope people handle? We're going to do a Family Life Center commitment. We're going to tell them about a new campus in Belmont. Pastors going on sabbatical, going down to one service. I think those are most of the major announcements for the month of June. Uh, Hopefully, we can all process those and handle those well, and I think we will. Uh, But this, uh, again, sabbatical, we're going to talk about Sabbath today, and sabbatical is really an extended Sabbath, and I do see it as a gift, uh, and I'm grateful for that and looking forward to how God's going to use it and what he's going to do, Um, and I don't feel... I deserve it in any way, and we have received much more in ministry than we have given out. Wendy and I definitely feel that. I know Evan mentioned some of the things that are unique to ministry, but the truth is we have really received much more than we, we give, and we're blessed by God to be a part of such a wonderful church and to uh, be a part of just what God's through doing through us and through all of us here as a church. Uh, I do want to, I think somebody probably at some point said Happy Father's Day. Did somebody say that at some point? I, I, it's funny to me, I, um, you know, happy, it seems like on Mother's Day, we've probably said it like 12 times by this point in the service, uh, but that's just the way it goes, Dad, sometimes. But I do want to say Happy Father's Day to the fathers out there. I want to remind you that you have an important role to play in the lives of children. And I know that's different depending on what season you're at and where you're at in life. And some of you have more time with your kids, and some of you may not have nearly the time you would hope to have with your kids, depending on the family dynamics and depending on what's going on. Uh, I know some of you uh, may be in a situation where you don't get to see your kids maybe as often as you would like, but let me encourage you that every moment with your kids is an influential one and carries more weight than you realize. Um, you know, one of the, this was brought home to me, one of the uh, TV shows Wendy and I watch, maybe you watch it, maybe you've heard of it, Deglia's Catch, I've uh, referenced it before. If you haven't seen it, Deglia's Catch is these crab fishermen on the Bering Sea, which if you think about all the jobs in the world, like the, the real tough jobs in the world, being a crab fisherman on the, de- uh, on the Bering Sea has got to be one of the toughest, that's why they make TV shows about it, Right. And they're out there. If you think of the, the worst place on earth you'd like to be, one of them's got to be in the middle of the Bering Sea off the coast of Alaska and Russia in the middle of winter uh, when there's a storm going on and you're out there for weeks. And you're out there with these uh, 800-pound crab pots uh, that are tons, weigh tons when they're filled with crab. The wind's blowing. The waves are, you know, huge. And you don't sleep for 24, 48, 72 hours on these shifts on a crab ship. And you think, these are going to sound the toughest guys in the world. And many of them end up dying and giving their lives out there. And one of the things that strikes me about these captains, as you learn their stories, is how often... These guys, these rough, tough, salty guys, will talk about their father. And many of them, their fathers have been dead for years, decades. And every time they come in off a hall of crab fishing, you know, they stop by the spot maybe where their dad, they spread their dad's ashes, or they talk about, I think my dad would really be pleased with this, or I hope my dad's happy with this, or I think dad's smiling down on us. And it just reiterates to me, these guys, you know, these tough, salty captains of crab boats can't stop thinking about whether their dad would be happy with what they just did. And it just reminds me of the influence and the power of a father in a child's life. And so if you're a father, um, you know, don't underestimate the influence that you have on a child's life. If you're not a dad, you have the opportunity to be a spiritual father to many kids uh, in this church and maybe throughout your life. Don't underestimate the influence of being uh, that father on someone's life. So I just wanted to take a moment to say that that's not really what the message is around, but I don't want Father's Day to go by without that reminder of the importance of that role um, in the life of children, in the life of our church. Mark chapter two, I'm gonna pick up on verse 23 and read through chapter three, verse six. We're gonna talk about restoration today, talk about rest, talk about Sabbath today. Mark chapter 2, verse 23, it says this, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate some of the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed that their stubborn hearts said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Sabbath. Sabbath. I know uh, talking about principle of sabbatical this morning and Sabbath, those words might be getting confusing to you, but all sabbatical is is a lengthy application of Sabbath. Sabbath was uh, put by God in the rhythm of life of the Jewish people Uh, once a week, the seventh day of the week, they would rest from their work and observe Sabbath. And uh, this principle of Sabbath that Jesus uh, is confronting in this passage Uh, was one that was instituted by God but had kind of been co-opted by some of the religious leaders of the day. It had become something that God had provided and purposed for and given to something that became an obligation and a burden. And so when Jesus, when we have this passage on the Sabbath, here's what's going on. Jesus and his disciples are walking through a grain field and they're picking some heads of grain and eating them. And this was perfectly allowable. They weren't even stealing. This was allowed in the Jewish law that if you're walking through somebody's grain field, you're allowed to pick a few heads of grain and eat them to satisfy your hunger. It's a little bit like uh, when I was a kid when we were down vacationing on the Cape, sometimes you'd have wild blueberry bushes growing along the side of the road, and you'd stop, and you'd pick some blueberries, and nobody would give you a hard time about it. Nobody, you know, that was, they were there, and people would pick them, and that's kind of what the disciples were doing. So what they were doing was perfectly uh, legit and, and okay, but the problem was the day they were doing it on. See, the religious leaders had formed their own uh, set of laws around Sabbath, They had 39 of them, which had sub-laws to them of about six each. And one of them concerned reaping. And certainly you couldn't reap your harvest on the Sabbath. But they had said, even if you pick a head of grain, you're in a sense reaping, and so you're breaking the law. And so they said, why are these people breaking the law? Why are these disciples of Jesus breaking the law on the Sabbath? Jesus' response is, Look, Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the day wasn't created so that you would worship the day, the day you was given to you. And then Jesus follows it up with the Son of Man, meaning himself, is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, if I'm here and it's my day and I don't have a problem with them doing this, then why do you have a problem with them doing? It was kind of like, it's my day. I'm Lord of the Sabbath. So guys, maybe there's a problem with your laws and not with what these guys are doing on the Sabbath. What they had done is they had put policies in front of people. Policies in front of people. And then there's a second instance where he comes into a synagogue. Maybe it was the same Sabbath day, maybe not. Probably Mark kind of put these instances together because they both concerned the Sabbath. But it was, it was the Sabbath day, and there was a man with a withered hand. We don't know what happened. It could have been that way from birth. It could have been a disease. It could have been that a giant rock fell on it while he was working or something like that. But either way, his hand had been injured. In some way, it was not functional. And he was in there on the, on the synagogue on the Sabbath. People knew that Jesus was doing healings. They were wondering, would he heal on the Sabbath? Their laws allowed that if it was life or death, then you could heal on the Sabbath. But if it was anything other than life or death, it could wait till tomorrow. That if someone's life was in danger, you could practice medicine and heal. But if it wasn't, if you just had a shriveled, withered hand, that could wait. And so Jesus knew that this was their laws. They had essentially said, you know, it's not, you don't practice medicine on this day. You can wait till tomorrow so the man with the shriveled hand can wait. But Jesus asked him a question. He said, part of the question was, is it better to save life or to kill on the Sabbath, and that answer to that one would have been easy for them. Oh, it's better to save life. But that wasn't his whole question. He said, is it better to do good or to do evil? They couldn't answer that question because they knew that the good would be healing this man, but they also knew it was against their rules. So they didn't say anything. So they were silent. And it says Jesus was angry. He was angry at them for not speaking. He was angry at them for not saying what they knew in their heart was true, but was against their policies and their rules. What they had said is, no, this man has suffered, and he can suffer another day instead of being healed on the Sabbath. And Jesus, in his compassion, healed him on the Sabbath. And in that moment, he was confronting a problem in his day that I don't know is a problem in our day. The problem was that they had made too many rules and policies about the Sabbath. They had made it, in some ways, too special of a day in the sense that they almost came to worship the day rather than remembering the Lord of the day. To be honest, when I come to this passage this morning, I don't know that we have too many people that struggle with that issue. I, I can rarely remember a counseling appointment where I've sat down with someone. And I said, you know what your issue is? You're too legalistic about the Sabbath. I mean, it, it, I suppose it happens, and certainly there may be some entire denominations that are formed around maybe getting a little too legalistic about the Sabbath. But for the most part, most of us, I don't think, struggle with making the Sabbath too special of a day. So maybe we should just move on to this, from this passage and, and forget it and just move on to what's next. While we don't struggle with the exact same thing as the Pharisees and religious leaders, I think we do struggle with some of the same root issue, and that is missing the purpose of the Sabbath. If they made it too special, perhaps we don't make it special enough. If they observed it and worshiped the day, perhaps, perhaps we miss even recognizing it as something that's important as all, at all. It, it may be that we've fallen into the same error as them, just on a different side of the line. The error is missing the purpose of God for the Sabbath. Sabbath. Now, when you think about Sabbath, your first thought may be, well, that's an Old Testament thing. That's kind of archaic. It's something the Jewish people did, and that was wonderful for them, and that was good for them. But it's not something we in the New Covenant and the New Testament do. And you may be thinking it's in the same category as what we'd call ceremonial or religious law. There's lots of ceremonial laws and religious laws, sacrificial laws in the Old Testament that we don't do today and wouldn't be right for us to do today. It wouldn't be right for us to have an altar sacrificing an animal for our sin today. Because Jesus came. He was the once and for all sacrifice. He fulfilled that part of the law. We don't, nor should we, even consider living out. That part of the Old Testament covenant. That was for them, not for us. There are other, all kinds of ceremonial laws that surrounded that. You may think, well, the Sabbath kind of falls into the same category as the law that said that they couldn't wear fabric that was made of two different kinds of material. You don't observe that one today. You don't go into Macy's and go, oh, it's a polyester blend. I can't wear this, right? I mean, you don't do that. And sometimes what we think is we take the Sabbath and we say, well, that's in that category. It's not in the category of things we need to observe all the time, everywhere, everyone. Well, is that true? Is the Sabbath that was something for them and not for us, was the Sabbath given as something that was meant for back then but not for now? Or is it something that's for everyone, everywhere, all the time? That's the question that needs to be answered. I think part of the answer to that question comes if we look at when the command to observe the Sabbath is originally given. It's given twice in the Old Testament in very specific ways, and it's in two passages that you are probably very familiar with, even if you're not very familiar with the Bible. It's the passages that list the Ten Commandments. Now, if we look at the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, we probably would say, look, if there's anything in the Old Testament that's for today and was for then, it would be the Ten Commandments, right? If we were to say, look, if all the laws, if we were to look at them, we wouldn't have any argument that the Ten Commandments are for today and they were for then. I have very rarely gotten into a theological argument of whether murder, thou shalt not murder, was just for then. I mean, things like thou shalt not murder. That You know, we're yes, absolutely. Don't commit adultery. Don't covet. Don't lie. Don't steal. Yeah, we think that was for then. This is for now. Worship God with, you know, before anything else. Don't make any graven images. Absolutely. We're for that. No problem. Yep. Honor your father and mother. Oh, we love that one as parents. Let's keep that one. We have that one. Let's do that all the time for everyone. And we're for all of them. Number four says, remember the Sabbath. Now, why is it that we would be tempted to say, yep, I, all nine of those are for today, but that one was for them back then? I mean, we may not say it even out loud that way, but maybe if we look at the way we live, we don't take as much time trying to observe or think about that one as some of the others. But the Ten Commandments, when they're given in Exodus, it says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. Everyone gets to rest. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Ten Commandments are given again by Moses and recorded again in Deuteronomy chapter 5. The first part is pretty much the same. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But at the seventh day of the Sabbath to the Lord, to your God, on it you shall not do any work. Neither you nor your son or daughter, your manservant, maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals." or the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Both lists of the Ten Commandments, both of them list remember the Sabbath. We would put our stamp of approval and say yes to everything else in them, and we may even say yes to the Sabbath, but do we observe it? Do we live it out? Let me talk about that for a minute. Why live out the Sabbath? You might have picked up on it that Exodus and Deuteronomy give two different reasons for observing the Sabbath. Exodus says, do it because God rested on the seventh day. It grounds it in creation. It says, look, God rested on the seventh day. After he had made all the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them, God rested. Why did God rest? Was God tired? Was God like, phew, that was a lot of work. Time to rest. I mean, no, right? None of us would say that, right? God's unlimited. God's omnipotent. God's all powerful. I don't think it's anything for him to create our world and our universe. And yet, the Bible says he rested. Why? For him? For him? or for us, for him to say that he needed to rest or for us. And was the re- when we see God rested, I don't believe it's a rest like, "who I'm tired, I need to recuperate. It's a rest like I am going to put down my tools, step away from my work, and stop working. I am going to rest from the work. I think the reason God rested is the same reason that parents will lay down beside their, their, their child to get them to fall asleep. Now, the parent may or may not be tired. They probably are. But they really, they lay down to get that child to say, okay, it's time to rest. Watch me rest and you rest. And then you hope that they sleep deep enough that you can kind of scoot out. Uh, but I think that's kind of like what God did. Watch me rest. Watch me step away. And so you step away. It was grounded in creation. The second one in Deuteronomy chapter five, it was grounded in liberation. To so remember, you were slaves in Egypt and I set you free. This was, a, this was a reminder of what the gift of Sabbath was. For 400 years, you were slaves. How, ma- how many vacation days in the slave work plan? How, how many days off in, in the slave you know, benefit plan? Right? I mean, they were working because Pharaoh told them to work. And they worked every day and they made bricks and they did whatever Pharaoh told them to do. They didn't get any days off. They didn't get any rest. So when God takes them out of Egypt and puts them under him as their master, he says, I'm a different kind of master. I'm a different kind of Lord. I'm not Pharaoh. But I want you to rest one day. I want you to step away from the work. I want you to recognize that I am a different kind of master and that you have been set free and that you have been liberated and you are no longer under that kind of slavery. Remember that I am the one that delivered you from that kind of slavery. And remember that you don't have to work seven days a week. In fact, I'm telling you not to. See, what, what God knew and I think what, what I know about you and What's true about me is the truth is there's a little Pharaoh in all of us. There's a little taskmaster living in all of us. You know, a little guy and maybe a Pharaoh hat. I don't know what Pharaoh wore as a hat, but, you know, living in all of us, telling you, telling me that if you stop working, you will die. I mean, that was Pharaoh's message, right? Right? If you stop working, you will die. And something within us is that if we put down the work, something bad's going to happen. Maybe not physical death, but something dies within our identity, doesn't it? We're afraid that who I am, because it's so tied to what I do, seems to... A bit. If I step away from the work, something bad's going to happen. If I step away from the work, I am less useful. If I step away from the work, I am less needed. If I step away from the work, I am less valuable. It's something within us. There's a taskmaster that's within us that says, if I step away, I am less useful and valuable. There's something within us that says you are a human doing and not a human being. And Sabbath is there to remind you that you are a human being and not a human doing. That God has created you, who you are in his image, and loved you before you were able to do anything of any value or anything good. I heard one pastor, he reminded me of... uh, I never thought of it this way, but the baptism of Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized, it was at the beginning of his ministry. And when he came up out of that water, the voice from heaven, from the Father, said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This was at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He hadn't done anything yet. And God said, I am well pleased with him. Do you feel God's pleasure when you haven't done anything for him can you come to the end of a sabbath day and have accomplished absolutely nothing of value and significance that you could say I did that and know that God is pleased with you and loves you or do you have to have a widget or something that you have accomplished in that day to say look what I did God Look what I did. Aren't you happy? Aren't you pleased? Or can you do nothing, accomplish nothing of any value to this world? And in the eyes of this world, waste a day. But in the eyes of God, be living out in faith and confidence of him and know that he's pleased with you. And so it's grounded in these two things so that you become a human being and not a human doing. Uh, and Sabbath principle, I think, is one that's very clear that is in the Bible and is one that we should endeavor to um, implement in our lives. Let me talk a little bit about that. If we say, okay, it's in there, it's in the Bible, we, you know, but how do you practically live it out? I mean, those Hebrews, it was different then. They don't know what busy is. They don't know the demands on my time. They don't know what I've got going on. I mean, all they had to do was, you know, plant and grow their own food and harvest it and, you know, fight off wars all the time and protect their land. And, I mean, those guys don't know what busy is. I've got emails to answer. And I've got, you know, i got, I got people depending on me. I mean, they did it. And I think God would allow us to be able to do it too, but sometimes we have to step away. It can be a challenge, but I think the, if we get creative and look at it and get serious about observing it, that God makes ways to do it. There's a, a company I heard about in New York called BH Photo. Um, I don't know if you're a photographer, perhaps you've heard of them. Uh, I guess it's a pretty large photography store in New York City. It's at uh, 34th and 9th, I think, uh, near Harlem. And uh, so it takes up this full city block, and it's a pretty, uh, pretty popular place. Uh, and you can go there Sunday through Friday at 1, but don't try showing up on a Saturday. Because the doors will be locked and closed because b Photo is run by uh, observant Jewish uh, people who observe the Sabbath. And many people go there and, and I, saw it on the way, I saw it online when I was just kind of looking it up for this image. I saw people like, why is this door closed? How can they be closed on a Saturday? What's wrong with these people? People are outraged. What are they they closed for on a Saturday? And they close Friday at 1, and they're closed all day Saturday. And you can imagine that, those of you that are in retail. Imagine closing for a Saturday in New York City. I mean, that's the day everybody's shopping. That's the day everybody's out, right? And you say, well, I'll just go online and order something from their website because they do have a great website, but that's closed too on Fridays and Saturdays. Can't order anything online from them either Friday night and Saturday. And when you ask the owners of b Photo, how can you possibly do this? What's wrong with you, aren't you? You're crazy. And their response is, we answer to a higher authority. And so it's, it, I, I say that. Now we can argue about, look, is that legalistic? Is that too stringent? You know, well, maybe we can argue about it. But the point is, they took the Sabbath principle serious enough that they made a way to be able to live it out in their life and to make it happen. And it may be that it takes some creativity on your part and on my part, depending on uh, what your schedule may be. Uh, And look, there's some flexibility here, right? I don't want us to fall into the error of the Pharisees and start worshiping the day. That's not what I'm saying. I think Jesus has granted grace and flexibility here, but I do think the principles of Maintaining Sabbath in a weekly schedule in a weekly ritual can benefit and be nothing but helpful to your spiritual life. Now, the day you live it out on, and how you live it out, and you know, you know, some of you are in, you know, maybe a medical profession, and look, you're on call on on Sundays or on certain days, and your Sabbath is maybe floats a little bit or or change. I mean, living it out can be a little bit different. Um, You know, some of you, maybe you start out with a half a day Sabbath that you're observing. I don't want to get legalistic about it. I just want to propose that maintaining Sabbath within your week can help your spiritual health. And I think it's something God asks us to do and even commands us to do, really. Not just for him, not just for us, but for those around you. Because your family, your friends, their loved ones will benefit when you step away. They'll benefit because you will be refreshed and replenished. They'll benefit because you're modeling, especially if those of you who are parents for your kids. What are the kinds of life that we model for the kids? That we just are at the end of our wits and the end of our resources all the time, and that's the best you can hope for, and that's the way you live life? Or do we say no matter how busy it is, we step away and we Sabbath from the work. And so, you know, it may look different. You know, for me, uh, Sundays are, are tough to Sabbath on. Um, if I'm going to rest from work, uh, that, that can be tough to Sabbath on Sundays. So I, I don't really try and do that on Sundays. You know, for, for me and our family, and we're con- actually, we're, you know, as a family, Wendy and I, we're kind of learning these things and trying to put these things more into practice because it's so easy to get away from And it's so easy to just say, oh, yeah, yeah, I rested. Ah, yeah, yeah, and you look back at a week, two weeks, and a month, and you're like, you know what? I never really rested. And so we're trying to put these in place in our house. And so for me, it's it's a little bit better uh, sundown on uh, Friday night to sundown on Saturday night. And that's just a little, that works a little bit better for us to try and, you know, all day, uh, night Friday and all day Saturday to step away. As a pastor, that can be difficult. Say, you know, I got the sermon coming Sunday morning. And, to, you know, put the laptop away and, and close down the computer. And, and even harder than that is to be in a conversation with my wife and kids and not be thinking about, oh, that would make great illustration for tomorrow. Oh, that would be a great, you know. But to be fully present with them in that moment. And, you know, challenge, I challenge you to, you know, find a space in your week. And if you've got a family, to say, we're going to start a family Sabbath. You know, and talk about the principles that go along with that. Let me just quickly, I'm going to go through these quickly. What what are some things that Sabbath, components of biblical Sabbath? Um, uh, And uh, these uh, are just four biblical components of of Sabbath uh, that uh, someone shared with me and I think are helpful, and I'll I'll try and practice, and maybe you will too. The first one is an easy one uh, to understand. It's stop. Stop doing. Stop. Stop from your paid and your unpaid work stop. Stop from the bills. Stop from the accomplishing. Stop from the work. Stop from anything that you can look back and you can say, I accomplished or I did this because I had to. Uh, one quote, Marcus, uh, Mark Buckingham, who wrote a book about Sabbath, he says this. He says, it's, it's the one day when the only thing you must do is not do the things you must that's good, right? It's the one day when the only thing you must do is not do the things you must. And maybe that can be your litmus test. Do I, is this an ought to today? Because if it's an ought to, maybe it's not part of my Sabbath. So for some of you, like cooking, let's just take an example. Maybe an ought to, right? And you're like, man, that's a burden. That's something I have to do. And, and, and you just, you're just, you like, I'm going to not do that on Sabbath. We're going to do something else. We're going to go out to eat. Someone else is going to cook. We're going to prepare the day before. We're going to do, you know, do something else. Well, I'm not going to cook on the Sabbath. But for others of you, you might say, man, I never get to cook. And cooking is life-giving for me. And I love the time when I can prepare a meal and I can just, and that is just something, and thats it's not an ought to, it's a get to. And maybe that's something that's a part of your Sabbath. So again, there's flexibility here in living this out and you've got to, you know, it's about uh, resting from the work that you normally do, stopping, cease doing the work and trusting in God. And it is a level of trust, right? It's a level of trust that says I can trust that things aren't going to completely fall apart when I stop. I can resist the lie that says if I stop working, we will die, right? Second thing is rest. This is that remember that we are human beings and not human doings. Breathe in, exhale, rest from the work that, uh, that you normally do and receive that rest that the Lord gives to us um, to stop and rest. And as I was talking to uh, Greg Detweiler about this, he had, uh, uh, some, he's done a lot of work and thought about Sabbath. And he shared with me a couple of uh, some of the things he's uh, thought about in Sabbath. And I thought this is two helpful ways to think about rest. Rest, creation rest, and God finished his work and rested, right? Rest from the work that accomplishes something. Rest from that I need to have an output. Rest from that I need to be able at the end of the day say, you know, what did I do? Rest from the work. Step back, say I'm not going to do the work today. And then there's redemption rest, right? To be able to rest in God's presence, remembering that Jesus has already completed the work for our salvation because sometimes our work is an effort to achieve our own salvation, isn't it? It's an effort to say that, oh, God will be pleased with me. God will be happy with me. Oh, God will be... Redemption rest is the remembrance that Jesus accomplished the work. He finished it, and you are not the one who accomplishes your salvation. Redemption rest from is, is to say and to remember that Jesus has accomplished and finished the work. Both of these we enter into by faith. I think that's a good reminder. So if we're gonna rest, rest from that productivity work and remember that God and Jesus has accomplished our uh, redemption in Jesus fully in doing that. So uh, stop, rest, and the third one is delight. And if you have not delighted in Sabbath, you probably haven't had Sabbath, If Sabbath is an obligation and a burden to you, then we're probably not doing it right. So when I say Sabbath, I am not talking about you and maybe your family sitting around a table and uh, and quoting scriptures at each other and staring at each other for 24 hours that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. I, Sabbath should be a time of delight and enjoyment. If you're part of a family, it should be something your kids look forward to. It should be something that we as a family look forward to. That Sabbath time together, we created, we set that time aside uh, for us now, how you do that and what it is may look different. You know, Sabbath maybe you know, hey, we're 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 going to start our Sabbath by you know going out for ice cream and, and making our own pizzas and and you know, uh, you know whatever it might be, we're going to go to the beach uh, you know for our Sabbath. I don't know what it is, but it is resting from work. It is delighting in the presence of God and in the presence of others, and it is stopping doing uh, those things that we have to do. Take delight. And maybe this is one of the hardest ones, to delight. But there's a delight that God calls us to. Isaiah 58 says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, when, then you will find your joy in the Lord. Take time, delight in God's presence and delight in others. To take time once a week to remember God's call to delight in him and to delight in others. And the final one is this, contemplate. And it's simple. In both Deuteronomy and Exodus, the word is remember. Remember. Remember who God is. Remember what God has done for you. Step away and get perspective on your life. Step away and get perspective on who God has created you to be. Step away and remember that you are a human being and not a human doing. Step away and recognize that God loves you even when you don't have output in your life, when you don't accomplish something. Step away and remember that the work is God's and not yours. Step away and remember that one day you will rest and enter into that rest that Jesus calls you to, and then who will you be? Who will you be when you step away from your work? We are so tied to what we do. I don't think we need Sabbath less than the Jewish people did. We might need it more. We might need it more. You and I are so tied to what we do. If you don't think that's true, talk to someone who's been out of work for a while. And how frustrating it is when the questions come. Every conversation that starts with, so what do you do? Every conversation that starts with that. Or or if you don't think that's true, uh, have the conversation with the stay-at-home mom. That every conversation, so what do you do for work? And you know, we, we tie our identity so much to what we do. Instead of remembering that God has created us in his image. That his son has died for us, and that's who we are. That he has called us to live a life of worship to him, and that's who we are. That he loves us, and his favor is upon us, and that's who we are. That you are redeemed and loved by God, and that's who you are. And that's so much more important than what you do. And so it takes a day a week to step away and to just contemplate and remember that. And this doesn't mean, this doesn't denigrate work at any means. Please don't hear me on that. Those other six days, God wants you working. Those other time God was expecting them to work. He wasn't, he wasn't expecting them to sit around. You know, God values work in the scripture and lifts it up. But he values rest and stepping away too. And so, my question to you as our worship team comes forward is, where do you find time in your week to Sabbath? See, our problem is not that we have made the day too special. I think our problem is we have made the day like every other day. I read one little comic this week that said, our grandparents called it Sabbath, our parents called it Sunday, we call it the weekend. Our problem isn't we make it too special. Our problem is that often, even if we come to church in the morning, the rest of the day is like every other day. And I'm just asking this morning if maybe that's not what God's plan is, that maybe God has a greater gift for you in Sabbath, that that God, it's not an obligation, it's not some archaic rule, it's a gift. And that if you and I will take time to rest from our work, to stop, to delight, and to contemplate, that it it won't be something that we lose in productivity and work. We will gain so much more in our relationship with God and who we are for him. It's like this. I'll close with this. I think the problem is sometimes we don't have internal structures to support the external ministry that people see. Right? You and I all know people who maybe ascended in ministry and had, for one reason or another, it wasn't able to be maintained or whatever happened. And I think sometimes what happens is the internal structure, spiritual structure, cannot maintain the external ministry that people see. And part of Sabbath is to build up that internal structure. It's like a building. You know, you don't see the steel when the building's built but everyone's going to find out it's not there eventually if you don't put it in. And it's in your life. I believe Sabbath will help you build that internal structure in your spiritual life so that what people see on the outside is supported by strong foundations in God's word. These are principles that Christians and God's people have known throughout the history and throughout ages but that we sometimes just throw off and don't realize how much we need them. So I challenge you to find time in your week. If you're married, have the conversation with your spouse this week. Where do we find Sabbath in our week? Where are we going to try and practice this stepping away, resting, delight, contemplate? If you're not married, you know, you're single, just think about where in my week is the time set aside for God and for these things and stepping away from where I unplug. When's the last time you unplugged for 24 hours? When's the last time your phone was even shut off? When's the last time nobody could reach you except your family and God? I think that's a gift we miss. I think that's a gift we miss. And I'm just, if we're going to grow as a church and grow as individuals, I think this is an important practice that we put in place in our lives. Father, Lord of the Sabbath, we come to you today. We come to you as sinners who have so often not observed the Sabbath well. Lord, we come to you and confess that too often our identity has been tied to what we do instead of who you are and what you have done. We come to you and confess that we are a busy, busy people, but not only that, that we kind of like it, and we kind of take pleasure in it. And Lord, sometimes our busyness has intruded upon your plan and your purpose and your work in our hearts and in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand this concept and principle of Sabbath rest. I pray that you would help us to slow down, to be countercultural, to be different, to be willing to step out and, and follow you in this, to be willing to say no for no other reason than because we've said yes to you and your command. Not because we have to make an excuse, not because we have to come up with a reason, but just because we're yours and our time is yours. Lord, would you teach us, Lord of the Sabbath, would you teach us how to institute Sabbath in our lives? And also, Lord, as a church, how to be patient with one another and encourage one another in this discipline, Lord. Father, we thank you for the gift of Sabbath rest through Jesus Christ. We thank you that Jesus has said, come to me, all of you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Lord, one day we will have that eternal rest. May we today at least look forward to it by remembering it in our Sabbath rest once a week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand as we cause out our service?